0: You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, buenos dias, everybody. Good to be together. Welcome to church. Great to have you with us and want to give a special welcome to, of course, my family here in Los Angeles, the mighty Metro region. And also want to welcome you, those that are watching from the Potomac Valley Church Uh, It's great to be together. This is kind of a dual service for us that we're uh, both spending time together in worship and study of our Bibles. Um, As we begin, let's go ahead and go to our, our Father in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time to be able to worship you, this time to be able to learn from you, this time to be able to open up our Bibles, God, and learn from you. God, please help us to open our hearts, open our minds. Open our eyes and see the things that you want us to see. Open our ears and hear what you want us to hear and understand. We pray, Father, that you would bless our, our time together in our study. In all this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So it's great to be together. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to give a special greeting to those of you watching from the Potomac, Potomac Valley Church. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful for Will Archer, what, a, what an incredible evangelist he is. I, I think he's one of the most creative innovative, cutting edge evangelists out there. Not only is he smart, but he's also super creative. And, and I love our friendship, you know, and, and, uh, I'm glad that we're kind of partnering up and working together on some projects here to get the gospel out and also to help our church really shine in, in, in our cities, and in our areas. You know, I've thought a lot about this week's uh, sermon and prayed a lot about it. Um, so much has been on my heart this week. It's been a very emotional week for a lot of us. And uh, so I thought, you know what? You know what we do when we're not feeling right, or we're hurting, or we're feeling bad? We go to our doctors, right? That's we go to the doctor. Uh, this week, I officially became a a, a patient of Doctor Doug Weber. I'm super excited about that. I can actually talk to my doctor and and get to know him. But but the, we all have one doctor in common. Jesus. He is the great physician. And uh, yes, it's one of the titles he was called, you know, uh, in fact, it was quoted, Luke, who was also a doctor, wrote this in his gospel. And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Of course, Jesus had healed so many people, so he was in a sort, a physician because he had he he had he'd helped so many with their ailments with their physical sicknesses and physical needs, and of course uh Luke the doctor highlights that uh who Jesus was that he wasn 't just somebody who cared about the spiritual needs, but he also cared about the physical needs in fact, Jesus was what we would call today holistic right he He thought about the whole person, their soul, their spirit, their emotions their their body their mind their their, their physical well-being. And you see that through so many of the scriptures. Somebody once said, if you want a good life, you need to make sure you have a good lawyer, a good mechanic, a good dentist, and a good doctor, right? Then you can have a good life. I would add to that, you gotta have a good minister too. But that's, those are the keys. Why? Because we all have problems and we all have challenges and we all face difficult times in our lives. And you have to have those people to be able to rely on and turn to. Certainly, this week and last week have been incredibly difficult. And I know that for many of us, it has brought up painful memories of the, of, of our experiences in the past. And it's been a very emotional and difficult time. And, and, and for others of us, it's been very painful to go there, to ask, to listen, to face things that maybe we hadn't faced or to recognize a problem that we had not recognized before. And, and, and even the dialogues that we've been having in the discussions, I know for some it's therapeutic and it's a beginning, others it's a scary thing, but it's also a beginning uh, towards healing and towards uh, uh, being where we need to be and being able to face all the ugliness that has been in our history. And obviously that's why people are marching and people are so upset because they're just fed up. They're just tired of this. And that's why even some of us who, who are strong disciples, we've, we've had to really quell and, and, and work with our rage and our, and the feelings that we have that have come up. Um, this is, and this is not even just an American problem. This is spread around the world. Of course, racism and prejudice is not unique to the United States of America. It's a, it's a, it's a human problem, but even the, 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 the atrocities that have happened in the murder of George Floyd, George Floyd has outraged people all around the world. I mean, the whole world is watching us. And what we're doing and how we're handling it and, and how we're going through from, and different languages, different continents, different cities around the world. And, you know, I was, I, I, I think that, that what has really stood out to me this week is how much it has brought up of past hurts and past feelings. And so many, I mean, millions have tried to just stay positive, stay hopeful. But, you know, when hope's deferred, it does make the heart sick. And in fact, closer to the translation, it, it, is, it is repulsive to us. There's few things so painful and so frustrating as hope deferred. And so many people are feeling it. So many people are feeling it. And that's what George Floyd represents. And his cruel death represents for so many of us working through these feelings of, are you kidding me again? And it's so real. and It's so there. You know, when, when when I feel all these things and I and I go through things and in numerous times in my life, things I've been through and, and especially these last few weeks, it's so good to be able to turn to Jesus. It's my doctor. It's my heart doctor, it's my soul doctor. He he's my spirit doctor. And he said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame this world, the world with its fear, with its pride, with its selfishness, with its judgmentalism, with its cruelty, with its ugliness. And I've seen it. I've been all over this world and I've seen the worst neighborhoods on this planet. And I've seen the worst, the worst that poverty does to people. I've seen how racism hurts people. I see how hatred and fear affects everyone. I know how messed up this world is. I grew up in the middle of it all. When I became a Christian, Jesus is the one that healed me and the one that set me free and helped me to start over and helped me to have hope again. And also when I'm lacking hope, I have to go back to him. I got to get back on my knees and reconnect with him because he is my hope and God is our hope not the world and not the people of the world Jesus the great physician so i want us to just think about this today as we before we take communion i want us to think about and focus on Jesus our physician our doctor jesus gives strength when we're discouraged He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, for years, I didn't understand this scripture. And in fact, it really just showed how shallow my relationship with God is. Honestly, it just seemed like a heavy yoke, even being a Christian. But the older I've been as a Christian, the more I've matured in my faith, the more I've learned how to put my burdens on Jesus and cast my anxieties on him and just be in his rest because he's the truth, because he loves me, because he's what's right and because he's overcome the world and because of the future hope that we have in him. And he cares about me He cares about you and he wants to lift that burden up and help us to find rest in him. He gives us strength when we're discouraged and when we're down. Jesus heals our trauma. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, this is one of those scriptures that you, you have to wrestle with to get it. it it's, it's very deep. It's very profound. You know, he's he's at the house of Matthew, the tax collector. and his And the Pharisees are criticizing him because he's eating with a bunch of tax collectors and prostitutes even. And their understanding is if you're a godly person and you're trying to not have anything to do with godly, with, with, with worldliness, then you'd stay away from people who are sinners. And of course, that's totally the wrong view of God and the wrong view of religion. Quite the contrary. Jesus said he was sent to the sinners and he's here for the sinners, which praise God. That's me. That's you. And he's here for us. But the thing about the the sick needing a doctor or finding out what it means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What was it with Matthew? Matthew, and I really figured it out when I thought about Matthew. Matthew was a kingdom kid. I mean, he was a Jew. He grew up and lives in Israel and Grew up with all the laws and the traditions and the teachings and the culture and the family. And he knew all that, but something happened where he turned and walked away. And not only did he turn and walk away, he became an agent of the Romans to abuse his own people. I mean, he was what we would call a traitor. Or maybe in spiritual terms, a fallaway kingdom kid. He was not the person we would think that Jesus would want to hang out with. And he did. Then I thought, what would cause Matthew to turn away? Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he was disillusioned. Maybe he got abused. Something intense, something traumatic, some kind of trauma happened to cause him to not just walk away, but turn against. And normally he would be written off and nobody would have anything to do with him again. But here's Jesus, the great physician, reaching out and loving Matthew. That's all he needed was somebody to believe in him, stick with him, and help him get through his trauma, whatever it was. And we know Matthew became one of the great evangelists who evangelized the Middle East and started churches all over the world. And we're so thankful for his leadership and his gospel. But that took somebody healing his trauma. Jesus heals the broken hearts. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. You know, when, when we get hurt, when we get abandoned, when we get betrayed, it breaks our heart. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. Or even more specifically, in the church. When somebody hurts us, and it breaks our heart. Because just like somebody young falling in love, we jump in hands and feet. And there's no hurt like a hurt from somebody in the church. But even that jesus heals and i don't think you can be around very long maybe more than a year and you're going to get hurt by somebody because the church is evil no no the church is still the bride of christ it's still the body of christ it's still his holy nation and royal priesthood but it's full of people and people have issues and people are sinners So people get hurt. And so it takes great mercy, patience. And it takes Jesus to keep us together. Jesus heals the broken hearts. He heals our hearts. Jesus gives strength when we're weak. He says, I can do all things, Paul. says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, a lot of times we just, we feel weak Sometimes. I just don't know that I can do this. You ever felt that? I know you have. And that's why we need to turn to Jesus. And he strengthens us. He gives us the strength that we need. And that's okay. When those times where you feel like, I can't do this anymore, or I can't get over this, or or I'm just mad and I can't work through it, or I can't get my heart right about this, or I can't forgive this, or I can't any of those. What that should tell us is I got to get on my knees and I need to pray and I need to fill back up with Jesus. I need Jesus because Jesus gives us strength when we're weak. Why? Because Jesus gets us. He understands. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. You see, he's saying he can call us brothers and sisters because we've been through the same journey. He came down and he lived a life, a life full of suffering, just so he could call us brother and sister. And here's the wildest scripture, maybe the the most outrageous scripture in the whole Bible. The pioneer of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. He wasn't perfect until he suffered. But by suffering, he then related to us. He understood us. He got us. And of course, this isn't perfect as in flawless. This is the Greek perfect. Perfect as in fully developed and fully mature. He was the perfect savior because he suffered. And he could understand what suffering is like. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He gets it. It's why people who come back from war, they're so close to their platoon, to their war buddies because they have suffered together and it has bonded them. And Hebrews 2 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. He didn't, he left being God and became just a person, just like us. So he would feel everything we felt. So he'd go through disappointment. Yeah, he felt it. Feeling betrayed, yeah, he felt it. Feeling abandoned, yep, he felt it. Feeling hurt, he felt it. Feeling disappointed, he felt it. Disillusioned, yep, all those things. He became just like us. To know what it's like to be human. And for this reason, we had to be made like them. He had to be made like them. Fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. You know, that, that he would have the mercy he needs for us to put up with us, to help us through our difficulties. Because sometimes, you know, we run out of patience with each other. And sometimes we're like, just get over it. Come on, get going. When somebody really needs to hear compassion and empathy and mercy. And by suffering, he would fully understand. And you know, when, when, when you have a problem or a challenge in life or a difficulty or something, a sin that keeps knocking you down, who do you turn to? Somebody who's like, get up, get over it. Or somebody who's compassionate and understanding and merciful. Why would tax collectors And prostitutes want to be with Jesus, the most righteous man in the world. Certainly, he didn't exude judgment. He wasn't impatient. He wasn't unkind. He didn't condemn. He was merciful. And he was very kind. They felt his love. They knew they'd messed up. You don't have to tell somebody they've messed up that they've messed up. They know they've messed up. He loved us because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted, even temptation. He knew how hard it is to deal with temptation. He gets us, he knows us. He knows our strengths, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our temptations. He knows when to hug us and he knows when to challenge us. And in chapter four, it says, therefore, since we have a great king, a great high priest, excuse me, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He said, look, we have the perfect Savior. We have the perfect Lord. He gets us. He understands us. He relates to us. He also knows that we can do it in him. And where we fall short, He will give us the strength. Where we are weak, He will empower us. Where we're ignorant, He will give us wisdom. Where we fall short in spirituality, He sends the Spirit to help us and to strengthen us. He knows us and He helps us and He cares about us. He's our doctor. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. The situation was the people had complained and they were one of the many rebellions when they had left Egypt. And they were critical of Moses and Aaron and their leadership. And God struck them, humbled them with snakes attacking them. And so God tells Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. You know, that was one of those bizarre incidents in the Bible that you, huh? And it isn't until years later I figured this out or I've learned this much. Literally, he had to carve out a snake, stick it on a pole, hold it up. And anybody who looked up at it was saved. He literally made people look up. You know, what do you do when you get bit by a snake or bit by anything? You sit there and you look at it and you scratch it and you worry and you fret and you're staring at it and you get more worried, you get more scared. And what do they have to do? They have to stop looking at their pain or whatever was happening and look up. And he would heal them. And that's been a powerful lesson for me. That when I get caught up in my pain, when I get caught up in my suffering, and I look up to Jesus, and I'm not talking little stuff. I'm talking deaths, suicides, beatings, pain, real pain. Real pain we all go through. And I know the solution is to look up at Jesus. So, of course, our lesson is to keep looking at Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. And as we go, even through our pain and through difficult times, as we go through fear, as we go through discouragement, And it's there, and it's real, and it's valid that we keep looking up. And that Jesus, our doctor, will get us through it. And will heal us of our wounds. For the Bible says, by his wounds, we are healed, right? By his wounds, we are healed. There's this thing I ran into called multifrenia. It's the condition largely attributed to technologies that increase social contact. Too many things to look at. But being simultaneously drawn into multiple and conflicting directions. The saturated self. It's when there's so much to look at, we can't really look, see anything anymore. When there's so many things going on that we lose sight of what we really want to be looking at. And in fact, the interesting thing it said, it's like from psychology, multifrenia is the inability to know who we really are. And we lose sight of even who we are. Somebody once said, when you have nothing left but God, then for the first time you become aware that God is enough. I think there's so much happening in our world. How important it is that we be the people, the ones who keep our focus on Jesus. Who look at him and don't let our gaze be drawn away. To be focused on Jesus the Christ. Psychologists say, look within, look within. An opportunist says, look around. An optimist says, look ahead. A pessimist says, look out. A Christian says, look up. Look all the way up until at the last your eyes catch the eyes of Jesus, the Christ. And you discover in that reflection not only what you are, but what you have been created to be in His image. Look all the way up until your eyes are fixed on Jesus' eyes. Jesus, the Christ. He's calling us. He's our doctor. In this world, we've got troubles. But take heart. He overcame the world. I love you guys. I love this region. I love our church. We've been through so much. As a group, we have been through a lot. And you've held on. And you've hung in there. And all I could say is, keep going. Keep your eyes up. Keep looking up at Jesus. He's going to get us through this. And he's going to form in us an even greater version, an even greater image, our image of Jesus. And we're going to become more and more like him. And we'll be that light to the world, light to our city and light to the world. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.